Hello, um, I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm again joined by Ben of Star Wars Timeline. So in case you missed last week, myself and Ben were speaking about the show Kenobi, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, that is coming out in the next week or so. And so there was quite a nice long conversation, so I decided to split it in two. So make sure you tune into last week's episode, because it's all connected. But last week we spoke about other content people may want to read in the lead up to the show, as well as Obi-Wan's character in itself, those sorts of things. And so this week we talk about how much screen time we want certain characters to have or to not have. We also talk about like how important the show will be considering the sort of up and down nature of some of Disney's recent releases for Star Wars. Me and Ben do have slightly conflicting views on those things, but we do delve into those. And also how we think Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be, once again, comparing to some of the other Disney Plus shows with Marvel and whatnot, like, is it really going to be as good as we want it to be? And some of our concerns and things. So really, this is a continued discussion on Obi-Wan Kenobi and what we expect and it's just a really really cool conversation links in the description to Ben's content and also my appearances on Star Wars Timeline because there have been quite a few and he did appear on Genuine Chit Chat in episode 149 in the tail end of 2021 but that's going to be enough for me for the time being I'll be back at the end of this conversation to give yourselves more information and also if you are listening to this make sure you do pop over to YouTube because there you can subscribe to the channel which helps me out but also there's playlists and etc and you get to watch the full video version of this conversation as well the video version will be uploaded slightly after this audio only version hits the feed just because things take a bit longer but um yeah hope you guys all enjoy it i appreciate you listening and i present to you part two of my chat with ben welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton The Phantom Menace is entirely about Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi mm. and Kenobi's formative years and becoming the master that he will need to be, you know? So it, it needs to get it right for you. And to me, it needs to anchor all of fans on an emotional level. I think if the story is there emotionally and certain things kind of like clash a little bit narratively with other stuff fans will be a lot more forgiving because we're like no no i don't care i don't care it's so good i don't care mm-hmm. it's like the, when the rogue one was coming out nobody was looking for that story it's like dude we know the death plan the plans to the death star were stolen like why are you telling me this story i don't want this you see the trailer oh no wait hold on a second no i think I, yeah i might want to see that you know it's like a complete 180 change around and when people came out of the theaters my friends i had like 10 plus people sitting in the in a row with me that i bought tickets for and some of my friends were like ben this is my favorite star wars movie mm, so my friend said that as well yeah mm, didn't expect it and yeah. you knew, knew the ending so i have faith i don't think you and mcgregor would have signed up to it either i think you know one thing he did say is he was doing this for the prequel fans he, he said I mean, obviously, let's be honest here, part of it was money, but to do something like Star Wars, he already had the fame, he didn't need to get any more Star Wars, um, he didn't have to do this, necessarily, he could just said, no, he could have, you know, they could have had another person to play him, which would have made me very sad. I, but, I kind of feel different. Really? Yeah, I feel when it's Star Wars, it beckons and calls, like, you don't say no <laughs> Star Wars. yeah. I mean, and you know, and he's there, and maybe partially, like you said, maybe he felt like he doesn't necessarily have to do it for his career mm-hmm. because he's as established as he'll ever get. But maybe he did need to be there because he felt he took it personally. He's like, "Hey, I was kind of mentored by George as well. Mm-hmm. I know the inside and out of this character like no one else. I got to be present just to see what this new crowd is doing with my character." Yeah, and I, I, I do believe that he did it. In, I do believe he did it, you know, not just for the money. I do think he did right. do it because he wanted to and he was passionate about it. And he did say, you know, the prequels are difficult to make because the technology, George Lucas's vision wasn't quite in line with what we had technologically speaking at the time. He was about five years ahead. If the Star Wars movies, if he'd have waited till 2005 to make Phantom Menace, then half of the issues with the CGI wouldn't have been as... Um, obvious because the budget would have pushed them over it would have been like the way people view avatar or a lot of james cameron movies if there was just that you know even in the sequel trilogy there's never really any cgi in the sequel trilogy that people like that doesn't really look right even when they're 
living beings. Whereas in the prequels, there are elements of that because it wasn't quite there. And no matter how many times you remaster it, you can't you can't quite do it. Same with the original trilogy when you add things in there. But um, I went off on a tangent about CGI then and George Lucas' vision <laughs> uh, about it. But anyway, um, Kenobi, because they did a lot of blue screen stuff, like a lot of Mustafar, all of Mustafar right. was basically, it wasn't practical All sets. of episode three, I think, is blue screen. Yeah, almost all the it. entire yeah. thing, yeah. it's yeah. Um, So it's like having to visualize that while acting and doing all these things is very difficult. And now he gets to act with the volume where you've got the practical parts as well as the, the screen that you can see. So it helps him get into that. But he said... You know, there are fans who've always loved my performance as Kenobi. There are fans who've always loved these films that for the mainstream audience, a lot of people hated. And for years, these fans kept the love of Star Wars going. They're the ones who kept reading the books, the comics and things. And now I'm starting to paraphrase, but he's being like, you know, they're the ones that kept the love going. And because of them, now the sequels could get made. And so he wants to reward that love. You know, Mm -hmm. if the prequels were as bad as as certain fans say they were, that the stars would have died then and it wouldn't be where it is now. It kind of needed... Although the prequels definitely could have been better, I'm not denying that, right. they are an important part of Star Wars history and we wouldn't be where we are now. Just like prequels are. Without prequels, we would not be here. Without prequels, so much of what makes Star Wars amazing would not be possible. Yeah. And this is why a fan like myself is able to look back on myself the way that I approached these films simply on the merit of Oh, it's good cinema. It's not bad cinema. It's so trivializing the story that is hidden beneath. Like, yes, okay, get off your high horse. You know, maybe that's cinematically could have been something different, but there's still value in it. Look at it, you know, go beyond. I'm telling you, Mike, I am as far as Star Wars books, comics are concerned. I'm a closet prequel fan. I always will be. And I never liked since day one. I, I, it was so, I was, I couldn't stand when people talk badly about those movies. Like, okay, all right, not the greatest cinema, but there's still content in there that is so pure and so good. And George Lucas, as a storyteller, he was always will be my old grandpa who who made my childhood special, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I grew up with prequels. You know, I, I had two different Obi-Wan's lightsabers, you know, when you could play the Obi-Wan Kenobi game on the Xbox and whenever you could play the Revenge of the Sith video game, you could play as Obi-Wan and Anakin and things. So any game I could play as Obi-Wan, I would. Yeah. He was glorious. <laughs> and yeah, the prequels that because they're always part of my childhood, it's just for me, they're, they're quite fused together. The original trilogy and uh, the prequels for me, I think in a lot of Star Wars fans heads, they've got the original trilogy period. Then there's a gap and then and I'm talking differently to how I was visualizing it in the lore and how chronologically the, the things I'm just talking about like in your mind how you experience Star Wars and how you lived through them usually right. for most people it's you know uh, awaken it's watch the original um, Star Wars trilogy either when they come as they come out or you're uh, aware enough at an age in sort of the 80s and 90s where you then watch them for the first time you're like, oh my god these are incredible as most people think because they are amazing movies the original trilogy i think that's undeniable and you've got this period of time that everyone kind of went through where you didn't have any other star wars then you've got the prequel fans who kind of like me who grew up with the prequels and our experience was mirrored and parallel in some ways to yours in the way that you remember um seeing the original trilogies and then nothing else coming after and i kind of had that i had the experience of watching the original trilogies and then phantom menace and then the other two kind of after that but when Revenge of the Sith ended I was like oh there you go there's end of Star Wars that's it God yeah. now it's gone forever there'll be a bit of bits and pieces here and there a few books comics maybe games whatever but that's basically it that's that's Star Wars done and then we get the Renaissance about 10 years later when The Force Awakens comes out so for me I've kind of got <laughs> I've got the my early life which is prequels and originals then there's the gap then there's the sequels whereas you've got you know th- two gaps in it in a sense and yeah, I mean, Kenobi is just going to really connect those things together uh, in a way that we haven't had enough. Solo didn't really, nor did Rogue One. They, Rogue One was a prequel to A New Hope and Solo was a prequel to the whole original trilogy. Yeah, We, we haven't had the middle ground. You know, we've got Bad Batch, which is like a taste, but that's right at the start of it. You know, we've got mm-hmm. Rebels, which is right at the end of it, but we haven't, it's like things have been kind of closing in from the outside and we're like, we've, what was in the middle? And it's like, we're now finally here. It's like, oh, it's Kenobi. Kenobi is the gooey center of yeah. the two. That's that's the appeal, I think, the, of the expanded universe and the Legends and Canons books. But 
let's face it, for a vast majority of fans, books are books, but the first media that you want in Star Wars is feature films mm-hmm. or TV shows. And here comes uh, uh, Kenobi. And once again, I, I don't ask or require it to be my version of my beloved Star Wars and, and parallel everything that I saw in A New Hope. I don't need it to be that. I need it to be an all-inclusive. But it, it needs to set the stage that we're both original and prequel trilogies work well and work strong and and the spotlight is not taken from central themes and scenes in a new hope we're talking about the vader on kenobi stuff like how do you do that how do you i think it's a lot easier to pull on uh, prequel stuff because we know a great deal about kenobi from prequels and just continue that hmm. and continue ignoring a lot of lore that George Lucas himself has retconned. He went back and he retconned his original trilogy. And its I'm not saying it as his criticism. I'm saying it as the creator who said, you know what? I don't think I'm done with Star Wars yet. Let me tell another story. Because, you know, it, it's constantly when you look at his uh, interviews, he at one point he said he had... Uh, uh, outlined for four trilogies then it was only two trilogies or one trilogy and then uh, at one point he says that the skywalker saga ends with episode six then he does treatments for the sequels he's all over the place creatively he's excited about it and i think when he was making prequels he said you know what let me try again and nobody knows the story better than the storyteller himself and I'm pretty sure he was like, you know what? Yeah, let me just do a little something here with C-3PO and R2-D2 that, you know, we see him in Anakin's home. It's like, whatever. It's just, that's, what, that's what I want to do. That's part of all storytelling. And I apparently I have blasphemed on uh, Twitter recently. I made a post that I said that I don't hold on to strict timeline as far as the stories and events go. I'm pretty loose about it. And if some events like Kane and Jarrah's in the beginning of the Bad Batch Don't Coincide, I'm fine with that. And one guy who is called uh, expandeduniverse.com comments me on my tweet. He says, look at these kids, how cynical and ironic. His his Twitter account says Star Wars Timeline, yet he doesn't care about Star Wars Timeline. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he goes like on the, on the, on the, this tangent of that. I don't understand anything. But I'm like, no, the point is it's like, it's a sandbox and the creator himself, George Lucas gets to play with it because it's his creation. That's all it is. So what? Some things misaligned with the original trilogy. Like that, that has always happened in the uh, uh, legends. And I just, I don't understand the purists, why they're so anal about it. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I'd rather have good storytelling and fun things going on than have perfect aligned timelines. Like, you know, the Bad Batch is a good example because although the start of the Bad Batch, there are elements with when Caleb Doom appears in it, obviously Kane and Jarrus, when that happens, it's a bit annoying because like, oh, well, the comics is not the same as that. But for me, I was like, apart from the lightsaber color change and then also a few bits and pieces in my head canon, it's quite easy just to be like, no, the events still happen the same as in Kane. It was just what happened is what happened in the bad batch and then when Kanan disappears in or Caleb disappears in the bad batch then that part that aligns there's a point in the comics that you just go oh click there you go and then the same it's easy to put together yeah I don't need specific dates even when I do Star Wars comics in canon and I talk about general dates and things it's always like I always say I like you know Star Wars don't want to tell you you know the third month in 32 BBY that's not what they want to do because it just as soon as you start splitting hairs with timelines it becomes so messy if you look at it realistically and you read every Thinking about, <coughs> excuse me. Thinking about just canon. If you we read all the Star Wars main run comics, which there's 75 of them, and they're set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and that's over three years. If you read all of those, and you also read, I think it's Weapon of a Jedi by Greg Pak, which I believe takes place in between those two time periods as well, and you read the Age of Republic comics, which has uh, a few, as uh, Age of um, Age of Rebellion comics, there's a few in there as well. The Princess Leia miniseries is set in between that time as well. The Han Solo miniseries is set inside that time as well. And I haven't read every single piece of canon content, but if you, when you look into it, how much time uh, Leia, Han, Chewie, and Luke spend doing other things in between those three years, it, it you can't really... like, you, And then especially when you do between Empire and um, 
Return of the Jedi. Like, you get the stories like the Crimson Rain stuff and the War of the Bounty Hunters things, which are all really interesting and I'm really enjoying them. But if you think about it too much and you think about all the stories that have happened between those two time periods, it's getting, if it's not already surpassed how much realistic time you could say is passed in between those two things, especially when you get in the comics, you sometimes goes like days or weeks later. You're like, well, if each of these comics is one day, you've just skipped more. You look at it and you go, yeah, this this amount of time is being overswelled. But I don't want them to just to go in like um, in two years' time to go, well, we've done it. We've filled up all the time between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, so we're never going to have another story ever again with Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie because there's it's impossible. We've timelined it all out perfectly right. to the hour, apart from a few toilet breaks and maybe a couple of card games or maybe a singular comic strip about repairing the Falcon that takes half an hour in canon we can't have any more stories of those characters yeah, in that time. It's, you no, can't be so that. strict with it, especially in a 50-year-old franchise. Things are bound to run on one another. It's fine. Yeah, 100%. It's just part of it. So I want to ask you, we'll start to kind of wrap up-ish around this point. I do apologize to people hearing me trying to suppress coughing. It's pretty unpleasant. Um, I want to ask, I know you don't often like saying about predictions and things, um, but I'm still going to ask you these questions anyway. Go for it. <sighs> Do you want... I think I know your answer, so I'm kind of leading you on a little bit. Do you want any other characters to appear in the show? As in, for example, there's a lot of rumblings and rumours that Ahsoka's going to pop up in maybe flashbacks or things like that. There's, you know, the, there's also concerns that it's going to connect with the Andor series. You know, is it every series is going to have a breadcrumb for the last one. Do you... I know you'll be happy if the story's good and that's the top priority, but excluding that element... Would you want it to expand and connect to more stuff, or do you want it to be more of a isolated story between just Kenobi and Vader and maybe Owen and Baru sort of thing? What do you, if you could choose the parameters of how many characters become central to the plot, where do you kind of want it to be? We have waited for so long to see this moment in in the life of Kenobi versus Vader that I think you will dilute that story with each new cameo that you introduce. I agree. Um, there's a difference between the cameo and, and supporting role. You can have Ahsoka in the show not being a cameo. A character showing up in the show does not make them a cameo. Mm -hmm. That is what is Marvel and Disney have adapted that business model. It was like, well, we have these characters here and those parallel shows running. Tune in, sign up for a subscription. We get it. We get the business aspect. It's fine. Cinema has always walked hand in hand with the business, right? You got you to make revenue on the story you're telling so you could keep delighting and satisfying the fans, but also the creators get to practice what they enjoy doing, telling stories. There's nothing wrong with that. But... There's a point in time where it starts feeling very artificial and played out and, and contrived versus if you write in a character that from is introduced from the beginning, not just Rick rolled into the show or like, surprise, this character shows up, Luke Skywalker at the end of season two and Grogu, he picks him up, which I still is to me is just total bullshit. Like, I don't like that. I don't like when they treat characters like this. I like when there's a precedent for it. I like when it's developed enough, when it's sensible. To me, yes, I would like to see one character, which I feel does not get enough play and makes all the reasons in the world to be in there. Can I say, can I guess? Yes. Is it going to be Quinlan Voss? No. Oh, because that's who I'd love to show up in this no, show. No, no. He would be cool. Cal Castus. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because this would be set, I think, just after uh, Jedi Fallen Order. And the actor... Well, 10, year, ten years after the uh, Order 66, right? I mean, during Order 66... Uh, Cal Kestis is what, like nine, ten years it's, old? It's five, yeah, so I think it's five years. I think Jedi Fallen Order is five or six years after uh, Order 66, and I think that Kenobi is about ten years after. So it would be about four or five years, in theory, Kenobi is four or five years after Jedi After Fallen the Order. Fallen Order, right. Yeah, so, so he's a young work. man there, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a young man there. And spoiler alert, guys, for those of you who didn't play the game, definitely go play it. They built such a fantastic character who is integral to this Order 66 thing. And by the end of it, once again, spoiler alert, right? He decides to go and be what Luke becomes later on. He says, I need to restore the Jedi Order. I'm looking for that new hope. 
not maybe in the same way that he needs Luke Skywalker. Obviously, he's still a kid. But how would the two characters collaborate together and say, we need to restore the Jedi Order? Hmm. I, I would love to... Uh... I would love to see that. I know there was a photo recently of the actor who plays Cal Kestis, who, um, you know, he did the motion capture and the voice acting and things, and he looks identical to the character of Cal Kestis, and he's a good actor. He's in uh, Gotham as well, um, and he's in a few other things. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. but um, I'll look it up right now. Wonderful. Um, and I've got a guest on my show who's being my lackey, who's looking up <laughs> things for me. When I, I have my phone right there. I could do it, but I'm not going to. Um, he... Uh, I... Th- I would like to see him in there because the actor who was photographed at Galaxy's Edge semi-recently and they've got a Cal Kestis lightsaber now that you can buy, like a replica, um, the way he got it from Jarrah to Paul at the start. Cameron Manahan. There we go. Perfect. Or Manigan. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's no problem. Um, I assume it's not to him. We'll ask him. We'll get him to watch this. Um, <laughs> but I would like to see him. I think there's a chance because normally when stars post pictures of like certain actors being in places randomly it's like sometimes it's like yeah that's cool but sometimes it's like oh what are they doing there yeah um but i don't think they will although i'd like to because i think they're saving him for jedi fallen order 2 he might make an appearance in one episode and maybe it'll be like a soft trailer for jedi fallen order 2 maybe it'll be a case of he pops up and then the next day the trailer drops for jedi fallen see that's what i don't like i don't like this this very administrative use of characters like mm. he needs to be here because we're planning over there and this is going to be the next stage and we're creating this whole narrative and the story so he needs to show up make sure like i i don't buy dave filoni's and john favreau's explanation why mandalorian shows up in the book of, book of boba fetch and completely steals the show and yeah. completely disbalances the character i Agreed. just don't get it guys you're professionals you're on top of your game you know what you're doing i don't buy it I don't buy it. Maybe there's somebody who was behind it who didn't have enough confidence in the show and say, oh, you know what? Let's just put Mandalorian in there because he's a f- bulletproof fan-, fan favorite and we know the fans will respond to him accordingly. Mm-hmm. I don't want any of this to distract from Kenobi and Vader. Mm-hmm. Inquisitors, yes. It makes total sense for the Inquisitors to be there. They are widely shown throughout the trailers. They're obviously not cameos. You're obviously going to take a central stage of the story. It makes sense. Whoever else you're going to introduce, as long as they're not cameoed, but part of the story, I'm in there. Hmm. Even Quinlan Voss. I think that the Inquisitors are only going to be... I wouldn't be surprised if they're only in it for like one to three episodes. And then at the third episode, it changes to Vader pursuing Kenobi. And then the, the fifth episode is kind of him trying to find him and getting to him and drawing him out. And then the sixth episode is just a big battle. But I will say with... I wouldn't mind Cal Kester showing up, but I, I would enjoy it because I'm a style, I'm a sucker, you know. Uh, no spoilers at all. I will clarify this. But um, actually, no, I'm not even going to say it because if me saying it is actually somewhat a spoiler, so ignore I even just said anything. But I think that with uh, Kenobi, I would love to see Quinlan Voss because he hasn't had an on-screen appearance apart from being a background extra in The Phantom Menace, which right. George Lucas was like, was like, that background extra looks really cool. I'm going to make a character from that. And that's where Quinlan Voss actually came from. And, yeah. you know, Quentin Voss was in the Clone Wars, he was in the one Clone Wars arc, and then he was meant to be in another arc, which was the Asajj Ventress Dark Disciple arc, but obviously he didn't get yeah. made, so they turned it into the book Dark Disciple. And if you listen to the audiobook, it's kind of like halfway, it's like halfway to a Clone Wars episode. Um, obviously, it's just not the visual element, and it's great. But Quentin Voss, obviously in Legends, he has a lot more. That's where the character really breathes. And I've not actually read yeah. any of his Legends content. And it's on my list because I really want to. But I just think his character would work so well in Kenobi because they clashed a bit in the Clone Wars. He's unknown enough to be... He could be kind of a fresh slate in a sense. As long as he has the reminiscence part of the Clone Wars, which is he was kind of a maverick and he was great at being undercover. That's it. You can. It's been 10 years since we last saw him. You could change quite an a lot of his character if they wanted to to fit in the story i'm not saying they should because i like quinlan voss but they've got the freedom to do that whereas if they choose right. calcestis it's quite a narrow lane they have to he has to be kind of one way that's consistent with previously you know five years ago and how his kind of coming of age happened so i think the quinlan voss could work really well because him and kenobi acted in the jedi order very differently and quinlan voss's speciality is going undercover and not being seen and i think yeah. in episode like two or three kenobi's getting pursued by like inquisitors a huge amount and what would be really cool is if he, someone kind of captured him and he was like, you know, and this person speaks and, and he was like, wait a minute, 
I recognize that voice. He turns around, and it's Quinlan Voss, and he's like, "You need to learn to be incognito. You, Kenobi, are terrible at being undercover. You know what happened? I, like he could even make a comment. Like I remember in Clone Wars, you went undercover that one time. Have you forgotten all of that incognito stuff? And I see that's referring to you know when he had the surgery and things and became a bounty hunter. And it's like they where they would have so much to go there with only like four lines of dialogue, and they could create such a cool dynamic and bring Quinlan Voss to the screen. They could spin off. They could have. I know you say you don't want other stuff, but like I'd love to have then another Quinlan Voss book or a series like a, a comic series or even a, a live action series about him and just him surviving as a Jedi undercover and having the freedom to do with him whatever you wanted, like not being constrained to the plot of Kenobi. Which we know so he's he a big survive. trick here. Here's the mm. thing from from. Again, my understanding, and guys, please feel free to correct me where I stand. I didn't just go in and completely research every detail before we started this uh, podcast. But the way I understand it is it's thanks to the Legends comic book artist that he became prominent. Mm. They saw him as a prop sitting in the background in George Lucas's film. They made him a creation. And then when George Lucas saw that and saw his popularity, he put him right back in the Clone Wars show, which a lot of fans were not happy with mm. because they changed a, ra- a lot of things around. For example, there is no mention of his Kifar culture that he's part of. And there is no mention of his psychometry where he touches upon any object like a lightsaber or anything. And through it, he kind of resonates with an inanimate object he does and gets a sense Wars. of feel. What's that? In Clone Wars. Does it? Like, it's, it's, it's I keep forgetting. It's the central point to his in, involvement. Oh, so psychometry is mentioned. Yeah, yeah. His, him and Kenobi team up because of his psychometry. So I am forgetting it. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. But it, was it mentioned that he's a Kifar? No, no, it wasn't. No, okay. So I think this is a little bit tricky where if they reintroduce him, which actually that helps a great deal. Thanks for clarifying things to me, right? Because Clone Wars is canon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is what I would, would want to see reinforced. If you're going to bring him in, once again make a sense of why him and his character type, his personality, his willingness to do whatever the heck it takes to do the right thing. How could that work in between Kenobi and Vader? Like, where does he stand? Mm, yeah, exactly. And in the book, uh, Dark Disciple, his psychometry comes out in that as well. It's used. See, I forgot. It's been it's been years. I read it right when it just came out, and I remember just completely being in love with it. And I remember actually arguing with fans like oh no this is not Mike Quinlan Voss I'm like no no dude it's actually a lot like in the old comics books you know it's it's really good but just do it right yeah and he I think his I mean one of the ways he could do it even is if he just in episode three um or episode two or three of the Kenobi show you could maybe see Kenobi running away and the last scene that you see is a hooded figure picking up a cloak and then it ends and then the next episode you see the, you see that something happened you see the, the last few things that just happened with Kenobi but through like a force vision and it zooms out yeah. and all you see is the hood and then a, a yellow line and you can't your eyes you can't see that a yellow line you can't see anything else and then it Mike, cuts Mike you're hyping me up man <laughs> if that was the case <laughs> I just think Quinlan Voss would work so well he could easily find Kenobi he was familiar with him it's unknown enough character if any actors got pulled into playing Kenobi or uh, playing Quinlan Voss that there is a because there's no face to link to him because he's only been in animation and drawn they could have the freedom to have almost any actor and i think they could do i mean i think it may be a, a weird choice i think if they did him right i think jason momoa could i don't think he would because if jason momoa is going to be in star wars everyone would know about it but i think he would make a really good quinlan voss he's got that kind of jokey broness to him but also the darkness which is what quinlan voss really has behind his jokey facade he's got this deep darkness to him and I, I would love. I don't think he's going to be in Kenobi either, to be honest. I think it's less likely than Cal Kestis, probably, or maybe, <laughs> maybe he would work better. But I think he's less likely to appear. But if Quinlan Voss was ever going to appear in live action, this would be the time. I mean, we're changing this into from the Kenobi podcast to the Quinlan Voss podcast. That's what I. I wanted to actually mention one more character. Can I? Yeah, uh, you do. did remind me of something. You you started talking about all these cameras that I just couldn't help it. So there is one character from the Legends books that, specifically comics, that I would love if he appears because he would make all the sense in the world to be here on Tatooine at this specific time. He's probably, I would say, one of the best developed villains in Star Wars. And his name is Asharad Het, the son of Sharad Het. And he was this uh, Jedi who, during Clone Wars, became one with the Tuscan tribes. Hmm. 
He interacts with Anakin. He interacts with Kenobi on Tatooine. At one point, he becomes a warlord. He abandons the Jedi ways. He leads the Tuscans to their destiny, like, you know, taking their place of Tatooine that they could, the tribes could live in peace and away from all the settlers and stuff like this. And later on, don't ask me how, but centuries after he survives and he's resurrected during the times of Luke Skywalker's descendant. And he becomes the next Sith Lord, the Darth Kraid. Yeah. So that little story, which to me was one of the best written stories in Star Wars, in regards to prequels, in regards to uh, Anakin, in regards to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and the lore of Tatooine. This is the time. If you are showing me Kenobi reconciling with the events of the Order 66, he is your guy. He's the guy to go to and say, oh, by the way, remember our last encounter? Remember that we had to settle our differences, this and that? Remember how you instructed? Because he was the guy who also helped uh, Anakin reconcile with his parents, uh, uh, his mother's uh, uh, being taken away from his mom. Hmm. He was the one who said, like, look, it is okay. Like, it was, I also experienced something similar like that. Anyway, he was just a tremendous character. Yeah, I know of Darth Crate and I know what he looks like with the the, the skull of the, is it Vontul Crab or something like that? Yeah. Um, because there's a character in the High Republic Adventures who is an Aloxian called Quart, and he wears a helmet the same. He, he wears uh, from a, a Vontul Crab or whatever they're called. Um, and I think that's a direct reference because I think Daniel Jose Older created Quart, and so he's referencing Darth Crate. Um, but I, 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 that would be an interesting character. I would like to see... I would like to see that in um, a show, but I don't think it would come into Kenobi because I think that would... If the, if the Inquisitors weren't in the trailer, I'd be inclined to say that's a possibility. But I have a suspicion that the Inquisitors and... I think the Inquisitors are going to be the main bad until Vader comes in. And I, I right. don't know if they're going to add other elements. If they did have that breadcrumbs where he did go just one scene where he goes and talks to this person and he's like you don't even know who he is. The character doesn't get told. You don't get his name. It's just a full conversation whatever and then right at the end he goes um, I'll see you um, I'll see you around and then he says whatever his name is and the person says no you won't and then <laughs> and then you just then yeah. you know some uh, story could come out maybe in Tales of the Jedi there's like an animated short and it could be Luke interacting with Darth Krayt who knows it could be an anthology series of Tales of the Jedi it could be loads of cool legend yeah. stuff done in animation who knows we're going off tangent about uh, Kenobi um, so we'll wrap up but I will ask one final question obviously if you have any further questions please uh, send them my way but the lightsaber now I love Obi-Wan's lightsaber I think it's great um, but obviously he's probably going to use it quite sparingly um, at this point in the galaxy, he doesn't want to just be brandishing it around like he does in A New Hope, really. Um, so, how much do you think we're going to see of uh, his lightsaber? Is it going to be held on to and you don't see it till the very end? You can see it right at the start, and that's what causes the events of these things. What do you kind of, what do you think? How much lightsaber screen time do you think we're getting from Kenobi himself? Well, if you think of the lightsaber within the context of this story, it's basically the flashlight. The moment you want to crank up that tension and put the story in a full gear and, and step on the gas pedal, just have him activate his lightsaber. So I think structurally, what you want to do is, again, six episodes is very little real estate to tell your story. You got to be very, very economical and you got to get to the point pretty fast. Mm. I would assume that by the second episode, or at least by the beginning of the third episode, he needs to start using it because you need to start dialing it up and and throwing all the forces against Kenobi, all the odds against him that he has to overcome in order to fulfill his arc in the story, right? Because there's going to be growth. He's going to be in one place in the beginning of the show, probably haggard and, and tired and disillusioned to a point where he's like, no, there is a new hope. And I will fight for this kid's future, right? So you built up there, maybe beginning of the third episode, he takes it out. He uses it, like you said, sparingly. But once again, how he's going to come to face Vader, that remains to be seen. I can't even speculate there. How about yourself? Yeah, I think, I don't think he'll use it until 
he has to. Probably, I think, it'll be hidden and it, you'll see it a little bit on his belt or there'll be one little nod to it. I think, you know, the likelihood is from the trailer and stuff, he's going to leave Tatooine. And I think he's, I think they released two episodes at once. A, because of scheduling and stuff, but also B, because I think they probably had audience reactions and go, not enough. In episode one, it's all about Kenobi, but it doesn't actually give you any information on what the plot's going to be. It just kind of lays groundwork. And I think... right. The second episode is where everything is going to kick off. I think that's going to be the episode where he leaves Tatooine or that maybe he gets his lightsaber out and then has to really defend himself against Inquisitors. I have a vision of him, you know, someone getting the jump on him and an Inquisitor like launching and the only thing he can do is ignite his lightsaber and hold it up sort yeah. of thing. And that's the first time maybe you see it is him solely using it in defense. So I have that kind of idea and I think that the second episode really is going to be probably where the lightsaber first comes out if it doesn't come out right at the very start, which I don't think it will, I think it will come out then and that'll be when, you know, the tension rises, you say, and then from the end of episode two, we'll be at the edge of our seat like, what's that next? You know, and I think that's going to be it for all of them. Um, but I hope, I, I don't want them to overdo it because it's meant to be, he's meant to be kind of in hiding. You know, he's meant to yeah. be, there has to be a pretty good reason for him to ignite his lightsaber, even on any planet, because anywhere has got the warnings yeah. of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, uh flashlight and darkness yeah. the moment you ignite it it's like oh okay let's report him <laughs> like i do have one last question for you yeah. as well uh seeing the the body of work that disney era has produced and all the stuff that we have on disney channel putting aside our you know wants and wishes for the star wars pragmatically what do you expect out of this show i expect a deep dive into Kenobi's state of mind and his his relationship with Owen um, and why he didn't train Luke. Then his struggles with trying to, between balancing essentially being a good person and boredom and duty. And then I think he's also going to have to make some hard decisions and then go on this little goose chase across the galaxy and then have a cathartic final confrontation with vader before his last confrontation where he actually dies where it's going to be his last try at bringing Anakin back from the dark side there's he's going to fail obviously and then there's going to be a lightsaber and the quality battle. of it i am hopeful you know although like what do you, what do you expect like realistic as an adult as like having seeing the having the experience of having disney plus for four plus years well the thing is is that if I compare Bad Batch and I compare it to the Marvel stuff that's been coming out, I know because of Disney Plus, I would be more hopeful than the Star Wars stuff in essence. Like, I really like Mandalorian Series 2. I said that before. I, I like Book of Boba Fett. I like Mandalorian Series 1. I loved Mandalorian Series 2. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I love the Luke bit at the end. I know we've discussed it many times, but you said earlier on that you don't like it. I like it. I think it fits. I think it works really well. I think his appearance in because Boba Fett is unnecessary, but because they brought Grogu, Grogu into it and stuff, they just shoehorned him in, just like Ahsoka's appearance was kind of pointless there. But yeah. I, it's it's hard because, you know, I, Book of Boba Fett I wasn't that fussed on. I was just like, yeah, I'll watch it because it looks kind of cool. Mandalorian was a new character, so it was a chance to do something new, and Series 2 is a continuation of that. Kenobi, I think, has so much of a stake in it. I think that Disney have really... Aside from the trilogies, the, the the sequel trilogy, I think this is the one project that Disney have probably put the most amount of effort and thought into. And because it was originally a, a thought to be a film back before Solo was announced. So it's been in production for a long time. And I think that Book of Boba Fett was an afterthought. I think they were like, hey, let's do a couple of episodes on Boba Fett. Oh, we've got enough material for like five. And then Disney execs went, let's make it seven. And they were like, we can't do that. Well, we filmed a bit of Mandalorian stuff. Let's just put that in there as well just while we're and then we can delay mandalorian series 3 a little bit or something whatever or we've changed direction what we were going to do with mando series 3 we were going to do it something about him dealing with that grogu but we want you to change that grogu has to be in it so now you have to do a pivot halfway through you know there's all kinds of different elements into that which could be the reason why mando and boba fett kind of came out but boba fett feels like an afterthought but i think that kenobi is the big thing it's in a lot of ways they already lost fans to the sequel trilogy by last jedi it kind of felt like Rise of Skywalker was kind of made just to stop the trilogy, less so than to really add anything or to really 
be a big grandiose finish it was kind of in my opinion it was like okay we're done with this now blop there you go done finished sequel trilogy done and you're like okay that was quite unsatisfying and predictable but fair. yeah um but kenobi is different i think since that time they're like this is if we don't do this right all of the people who've been hating on disney and saying disney era star wars is bad and that apart from rogue one they've not released anything good and maybe some people say bad batch but you know bad batch is still they'll not put it to a tiki torch i'm telling yeah. you right now prequel fans will ignite fires they will march to Lucasfilm Ranch or whatever they did, <laughs> ILM, and they will burn the building down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me, as a, as a realistically, you know, living through the prequels, living through Clone Wars, Rebels, and, and you know, this understanding that sometimes wishing for the best out of life and out of the best stuff that you'll follow, sometimes things don't just work out the way they are and how things are also settling in in terms of how Star Wars are being delivered to us via Disney Plus, like you are, I am hopeful, but being a pragmatic, realistically seeing where we were before, I'm expecting um, more or less another safe outing. Hmm. So with a couple of cameos sprinkled for good measure that uh, for somebody who has experienced all different permutations of, of Star Wars and different levels of quality and different artists coming in and, and bringing their own unique voice to it the way that ha- it has been aligning itself on the disney plus i honestly expect something that is a bit on the underwhelming side a bit familiar a bit expected in some parts safe with a couple of cameos sprinkled for a good measure i'm basically bracing myself for something that's unremarkable i was like oh yeah cool yeah yeah, that's Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh yeah, it's that guy. You know, you want my girl? He's reprising the role, right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice, nice. And then we kind of fade into obscurity again, waiting <laughs> for that for that special juice, that special moment where we're like, oh, we all gasp when when the Logan or Joker, these sort of movies or the new Batman come out, and we're like, oh my god, I've been waiting for this. I, I'm not sure whether it's going to hit that high mark. I'm hoping this. I'm hoping Kenobi is that. That's what my hope is. I think they've had enough series, both animated and live action, and they've had enough movies and things to really... For me, this is... It's not their final chance, because I'm going to love Star Wars regardless, and I'm going to watch anything they pump out, but this is a pivotal moment. This is something where if they don't deliver on this, they're going to lose a very large chunk of their fan base, and people are going to start experiencing Star Wars fatigue a lot quicker. Because if you... If you know, Andor is not going to pull the same amount of people that Kenobi is. Even me, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch Andor. I, I, you know, it's basically going to be a grittier version of Rebels, but with certain people in Rogue One. That's cool, but part of the fun of Rebels is a completely new cast, and you don't know what happens to them, um, and stuff happens. And in Andor, it's like, yeah, you're going to get a new cast aside from Andor and probably him meeting K2SO, but there's going to be certain people that pop up and you're like, well, I know they are going to survive and Andor, the main character, is going to survive. And it's like, well, this is starting to feel a little bit like uh, Solo, where it's like having the majority of characters already established, you you know what's going to happen. I know Kenobi is, in essence, that in certain ways, but Kenobi is about a man's journey. It's about, look, the obvious broad strokes of the storytelling is the characters survive. How can we write a riveting and good enough plot to keep it interesting. It's yeah. kind of like the Batman in certain ways. In the Batman, the general assumption was Batman's probably not going to die in the first film of his reboot. It's probably just not going to happen. It could, and it would have been a very ballsy move to do, but it probably wasn't going to happen. So the when you watch that movie, the thought is, is Batman going to die? It's, what's this interpretation of Batman going to bring? What are these characters going to bring? And what are the surrounding characters around him? Excellent could they, point, yeah. Could they die or not? But not even just about death, but how is it going to affect Batman? One of the reasons the Batman works so well is because we got a different iteration of Batman that was still connects with the core content and material and lines up with the previous iterations of Batman we've had, but still brings something new and it's more gritty and dark and adult and mature. And it isn't got that comic book silliness to it that certain ones have got. That's what we want with Kenobi. We want him to have the emotional beats of the prequels, but none of the goofy, campy stuff. We want it to have the special effects and the visual, the visual, uh, the visual kind of, uh, weight behind it that the prequels tried to have but maybe fell a bit short on but that the Mm -hmm. the sequels delivered on but obviously the sequels delivering on those visual things made that some of the story elements didn't reach as high take all the best elements from what we've been doing over the last like 10 years or even the last 20 and use everything you've learned 
to use it to bring us the most concise, deep, and emotional version of a character. This is going to be the most amount of Kenobi that we will have ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is all excluding the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars, although it definitely is showing Kenobi, because it's not live action. If we just take that out of this discussion, when you think about live action. His screen time in Kenobi is probably going to exceed that of everything in the prequels and the original put together. So we're basically getting the amount of Kenobi, in theory, that we've had up to this point, excluding Clone Wars. Yeah. And so with that, it's they've got to do it well. Because all the other shows that are coming out, I'm excited about Ahsoka, but Kenobi and Ahsoka are the two, the two big ones. And if they mess this up and then they mess up Ahsoka, it's going to be like you know my fatigue is probably going to come in a lot quicker like see when ya I, when I eventually have kids one day it's not going to be the rush they need to watch all of Star Wars because it's the best thing ever It'll yeah be, right you need to watch mm-hmm. these you know probably 11 films because they make a really cool story and most of them are amazing and then mm-hmm. you'd have to worry about the series you know yeah. I, 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 feel, I don't want that to happen that's my concern um but i I don't think it will i i have faith (laughs) i am i am the the, uh (laughs) the the optimistic prequel lover um but yeah i'm the optimistic uh prequel and sequel lover uh but not the original trilogy though no well that's the original trilogy that's god tier (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah you don't even need to say you like the original trilogy that's the altar what are you doing cool well ben i think this has been there's a great time to sort of wrap up so please tell people any final statements and things that you want to say uh, that we may not have already mentioned and then plug your stuff obviously i'll put a link in the description to it when it airs on my show but the floor is yours good sir Thank you, Mike, once again for having me. It's a full delight to talk to you. The way that you put these things in my mind make me think about the book of Boba Fett, how things came about, why this was done this way. I love, you almost feel to me like you have like some secret connect to the Hollywood industry and an insider and they just feed you information. You're like, oh, so this is how this really is. All right, I get it now. Thank you, Mike. All right, let me jog it down my notes. You know, thank you. Um, Yeah, my final thoughts are, guys, I think the best way to go into this is with an open mind. I know there's a lot that rides on it. I know we all want it to be good, but be open and receptive to new ideas. Sometimes it takes a while. When I listen to my favorite heavy metal album, it didn't become my favorite overnight. Sometimes it takes a while to chew on and try to digest and just try to understand what the filmmaker was trying to show you. And uh, sometimes it doesn't have to be everything from the past and archaic and do exactly by the book where George Lucas was trying to do. Guys, just have a good time. Keep an open mind and keep your reservations moderate so you don't go in and automatically get disappointed. As far as myself goes, Star Wars Timeline, this is where Mike and I do our podcast. I also have a Star Wars Timeline Facebook group where you all can come in and express yourselves, guys, and tell us what you like, what you just like. We'll try to focus on mature conversations where everybody gets to say their piece. So that's pretty much on on Twitter. I just basically goof around and throw random content, and I've been recently accused of posting too much Tomb Raider stuff because I love Tomb Raider. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. No problem at all, and I will second that. If you want a what a way to talk about Star Wars with me and Ben, go to Star Wars Timeline because I do. I get notifications when people post in there. I can't respond to everything because I'd be on the, the 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 Facebook page all day with a group all day. Um, but it is delightful, and there's a lot of cool conversations I've had with both yourself, Ben, and other people in that group. And there's thousands of us in there, uh, so it's, it's really fun. And yeah, check out Star Wars Timeline. Uh, I always mention it in my outros and things, uh, and put links in the description. Basically, because I come on your show so frequently. In all the show notes of episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, I think almost for, since we started talking, which I think was about six to eight months ago, there's yeah. always been a link to one of your episodes because normally I keep them in there for like a, each... When I guest spot on someone else's show, I'll keep it in my show notes for, you know, a, a month or a couple of months, depending how many guest spots I do, depends on, you know, they kind of cycle through. But yours, it's been like, oh, here's one I did with... Um, Ben about the three trilogies and then a few you know weeks or a couple months later oh here's a prequel oh and then his discussion on originals and then sequels oh then accents in Star Wars oh then second part of accents in Star Wars oh and then also villains in Star Wars so it's just like all of that I'm I'm not even jealous at all that you got to interview Kevin Scott guys (laughs) this is this is the kind of caliber that guests that genuine chat chat has please when I drop that link Go check it out. That interview was badass. It was so awesome. Uh, I, I 
Gabe, like open mouth, just listens to them. Like, okay, so this is how you conduct an interview on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. And people listening, uh, you can also check out my conversation with Paolo Villanelli and also Ben. You spoke with Paolo as well after speaking, um, after I spoke to them. So they're two brilliant conversations to listen to, both of our respective discussions with the great comic book artist. And I also spoke with Claudia Gray uh, in the tail end of 2020 uh, as well. She was delightful to speak with. And I've got plenty more of people I want to speak to regarding <laughs> mention me <laughs> i would if i could good sir i know i know yes, unfortunately disney are quite specific about it. you can't just give out all the disney contact course, emails i, I okay. wish i could just give it to everyone everyone have kevin scott on the show you will pass the word from <laughs> ben kenobi <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, please check out my, uh, you know, all of the stuff I get up to. If you are listening on a podcast app or anything like that, uh, then you can subscribe to my show, Genuine Chit Chat, and uh, the feed of Comics in Motion, where my Star Wars Comics in Canon episodes air every Saturday, where I go through all Star Wars comics. You've never have to read a single comic, Star Wars otherwise, in your entire life to enjoy my show. I specifically go through each of the comics and I go through the plot points of them in bullet point form so you get a good understanding of what happens in the plot in the canon and I talk about the many connections I talk about characters that reappear and species and planets and other things that pop up that you may think oh I recognise that from something well I will tell you what you recognise it from and give trivia and fun facts along the way and I've done almost every single canon Marvel Star Wars comic to date and I've also done book reviews on there and other bits and pieces of content as well and you can also check out my Patreon uh, because on patreon.com slash genuine chit chat uh, for as little as £1 a month you can support the show you get access to hours of additional content and I've started doing a lot more Star Wars book reviews over there I've done a few canons like Last Shot Dark Disciple and um, A New Door which is by Jackson, uh, John Jackson Miller who obviously wrote the Kenobi book uh, and then I've also done some legend stuff because of Ben I've been inspired and I've been listening to more legends content so I've been listening to a lot of it on um, audiobook and things on Audible so I've been listening I started off with Shatterpoint and then I did Darth Plagueis and then I just finished Darth Bane book one which oh Plagueis was incredible. But I'm so happy you so started good. it. Well, we got to make an entire podcast about it trust we me. We do when I finish uh, when I finish book three but I've actually downloaded because it came out like this week brotherhood by mike chen the obi-wan kenobi and uh anakin skywalker book set like the very very start of the clone wars how anakin got on his um how anakin got his knighthood and also when they say in episode three about how many times anakin saved kenobi and he's like oh i saved it this many times and kenobi's like no no not that many times that this is on kate and amodia that that didn't count the business on Kate and Amodia happens in this book. So I'm very excited uh, to listen to that audio book of that. Uh, so I'll no doubt be putting a review of that up on my Patreon as well. But Ben, good sir. Named after pleasure, Ben Mike. Kenobi, even though you were born before then. But still, you may, whenever I say your name, I think of Ben Kenobi. Um, and I even have in my calendar, like today, it says Ben Kenobi. because Ben, ben Kenobi, Kenobi well, chat. It's, I think it's the biggest compliment. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, and you're amazing. So, speaking with you is Thank always you. delightful. Thank Likewise. you always for having me on your show. It's always delightful having you on my show. And also, yeah, I mentioned it I think earlier, but we'll I will be doing on the feed of Comics in Motion, and I will be dropping videos on my YouTube channel, um, a weekly discussion show on Kenobi, episode by episode. Obviously, I think me and Megan are going to have to do one just the two of us because episode one and two both drop on Friday. <laughs> so we're going to have to get yeah. home from work, watch both of those, and do a podcast very quickly. And then subsequent weeks, I'll have different guests on. And obviously, Ben, you always release uh, episodes of your solo thoughts as well of um, shows that are coming out too. So there's a variety of different ways to get even more Kenobi content. But yeah, yeah. please check those links in the description of either if you're on Ben's channel or if you're on my channel. Uh, people who are not familiar with my channel will probably be like, this guy is talking a lot at the end. And it's like, yes. <laughs> because on my channel, I normally save it for the outro when I'm not talking to a guest. It's normally yeah. my recorded intro, guest chat, and then at the out- end of the outro. But thought i'd cram it all in here because ben i control the recording this time so <laughs> i don't feel bad i can just keep waffling forever i can talk for the next hour about myself but i'm not going to friend. but just thank you ben as always for being delightful it's a pleasure man it's, always i fun. hope we get to have those chats on kenobi on all the legends books i i can't i'm just gonna have to make up a couple of topics and we get right into it 100 percent, and high republic at some point as well high republic wonderful well thank you so much ben Guys, take care. Thanks for listening to us. A familiar Kenobi. That... <laughs> it wasn't too bad when you were initially talking, but as you continued to talk, it got louder and louder. I'll do, I'll do and it louder. over. Fuck. 
<laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm in the middle of a video. I just want to like break my screen. Like fuck, <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> Sorry, it's not your fault at all. <laughs> no wonder New Yorkers are so fucking psychotic, man. It's like, <laughs> get the fuck out of my way! I'm trying to walk here. You know, <laughs> just like scream at the pedestrians. Oh man. And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, my friends. Make sure you check out the links in the description for my many appearances on Star Wars Timeline, as well as Ben's prior appearance on Genuine Chits Chat. And it's also worth noting here, I can't remember if I said it in the full conversation itself, but I am going to be doing a week-by-week Kenobi discussion show. So obviously, episodes one and two of Kenobi drop Friday, May 27th. And then, as far as I can tell, the following four episodes will all air on Wednesdays. Now, I did the Boba Fett discussion show in 2021 on the feed of Comics in Motion and I also uploaded the discussions onto YouTube. So I'll be doing the same thing with that, you know, on Genuine Chit Chat's YouTube channel, but also on the audio feed of Comics in Motion. And I've already got plans. Ben will definitely be coming on at least one of those episodes, but I'm planning on having different guests on each episode. So I'm going to be very excited about that. Make sure you just follow me on social media to keep up to date with those sort of things. But also, if you already listen to Star Wars Comics in Canon, which I would hope you do if you've listened to this conversation, but just in case you don't, you never have to have read a comic, a Star Wars comic, a book. You really don't have to have consumed any Star Wars content of any kind, aside from watching the main films, to enjoy Star Wars comics and canon. I tackle every episode as if someone has never consumed any piece of Star Wars content before outside of the movies. So I would really recommend, if people are listening to this, checking out Star Wars comics and canon. The episodes do get released on my YouTube channel, so if you'd rather go there and subscribe, then you can get video versions of genuine chit-chat episodes, including this one, as well as things in play lists as well as all my episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon. It's a really good place to kind of get everything I release. But if you are listening on audio, you know Comics and Motion is the best place to listen to it. But I release one episode of that every single week basically. And I talk about movies. I do also do book reviews on there that are spoiler free and I do give plot information on there as the kind of review goes on. So it doesn't matter how much you know about Star Wars content, please consider checking out Star Wars Comics in Canon because I have specifically made that show for all of you lovely listeners. But in addition to that, what have we got coming up, as well as the you know Kenobi discussion show that I'm going to be doing, as well as all the other Star Wars Comics and Canon things I'm doing for genuine chit-chat, I've got a two-parter in the bag for Disney discussions. So obviously myself, Spider-Dan, and Rhea Carrigan, along with Megan, all talked about Disney shows. So we did our four favourites, and then recently we recorded an episode on the director video sequels. So it's a, it's a really fun conversation there. It's with Mulan 2, Lion King 2, Aladdin 2, and Batman. Bambi 2, how they made a Bambi 2 60 plus years later is baffling to me but we do talk about those things in the conversation, so that's generally what's coming up, I have got a few other things in the pipeline as well, as I usually do but at the moment where I'm moving house and all those sorts of things, things are a little bit busy so I can't be as organised as I usually like to be, but in that same vein if you want to get more audio content from myself and you would like to support the show, you can do it in a variety of ways, so to support the show you can give ratings on Spotify out of 5, obviously 5 star would be preferred you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Good Pods or lots of the other podcast apps that allow you to leave reviews and they are all hugely, hugely appreciated. You can also share on social media. You can follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. As I said before, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, which would be really, really handy. And then you get an idea of all my stuff and it will tell you obviously when things come out and there's video versions of stuff that you wouldn't get elsewhere. But if you want to support the show even more, then please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat. For as little as one pound a month of support, you get access to my full audio exclusive content feed. So you just get access to early episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, like this one. Every Patreon got access to part one and part two of the episode when part one dropped in one full unsplit episode. And then today, when this episode dropped, the part two, the Patreons got an extra bonus episode, as well as their normal afterthoughts they get every Wednesday or Thursday well. So that means that you will be getting at least four bonus episodes of genuine chit chat style things every single month. Some of them are just myself giving book reviews or comic reviews. Some of them or most of them are myself and Megan doing movie reviews, TV series reviews. I've done a review for The Northman that we saw recently, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness that was a spoiler free review and then further on we give warnings and then talk about spoilers and things. We talk about TV shows. We've spoken about like we went on a trip to Malta recently, did a 40 minute long episode 
just talking about that. And we recently have just released our discussion on Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So Megan has been reading the book recently. So she's been talking about how uh, the film is different from the book. And at the start of that conversation, we also spoke about our house quite a lot. So if you want a bit more of an insight into mine and also Megan's life, and you want to hear us talk about TV shows, movies, generally our relationship and our lives, and you want to support the show and get all that bonus stuff, then please consider checking out patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. I do appreciate everyone who's a supporter so far. But I think that's going to be enough from me, my friends. I've got a lot of stuff planning. Megan is waiting on me to get all this done so we can go and sort out more things of the house, like wallpaper stripping and pulling up floorboards and all kinds of other things like that. So um, I'll leave yourselves here. Thank you as always for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way to the very end. Please do all the usual stuff on social media. I appreciate it hugely. And I'll talk to yourselves. I think it's going to be next week with it should be the disney discussion show but as i'm really really busy it may end up being the first episode of the kenobi discussion show where it's going to be myself and megan talking about episode one and two then i may release the disney discussions the week after that i haven't fully decided it just depends how busy i am next week but i'll keep yourselves posted mainly on this feed you'll see what pops up on uh, the sunday or maybe the saturday if i release it slightly early who knows but just follow me on social media you'll be kept up to date thank you so much friends i'll speak to you soon you have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.